Well, grab your Bibles and let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. As we talked earlier, I made mention that the passage that we're covering, verses 3 through 14, is all one sentence in Greek. That means that this was a continuing flowing concept, a continual flowing thought. And I'll just say, uh, today is going to be very different. In other words, even how I kind of speak with you today from maybe my normal approach. Now, I want to tell you, I'm going to get excited about this passage. I'm going to tell you that. But in many ways, it's going to kind of be like we're sitting in my office, and we've got the text in front of us, and we're looking at it together and kind of talking it through, although unfortunately because of time, there's only a one-way dialogue going on this morning from me to you. By the way, speaking of time, God's hand was in today, and the clock broke. I don't know if you know, but usually right down here there's a clock. And uh, do you know what time means to a pastor? Not a whole lot. Uh, But I have my watch, and uh, maybe I'll look at it. But we're going to be going through this together, and we're going to be taking a look. But you should have a yellow piece of paper. If you do not have that yellow piece of paper, can you put your hand up and someone who has the big pad of them, let's uh, just make sure you have it. Because this is going to be really important. Mine is not yellow. Mine is white. But this is going to be really important as we go through this text. But here's how I would like for us to start. Let's start looking at your Bible in verse 1 of Ephesians, okay? And then, as the eebie-jeebies that this gives me, I cannot believe I'm saying this, but then set your Bible aside and let's look at the piece of paper with the Bible text on it, okay? Okay, I'm saving myself there. All right, let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul. You remember the timeline? How amazing. Paul, who once was Saul, his name was changed by God. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, at one time he hated people of Christ. He hated Christ. But now he's an apostle of Christ Jesus and by the will of God. It sure is because he wasn't looking for God, if you will, through Christ. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Gives you a little bit of feel for the kind of people being written to. People that are pursuing Christ and are faithful. Verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a whole story behind those first two verses. Well, let's jump into verse 3. You ready? Uh, You are welcome to set your Bible aside and grab the piece of paper that I've given you that has the Bible passage on it. You're welcome to keep your Bible open as well. Uh, I feel really uncomfortable not having it in my hands, frankly. But here's what we're doing. We're looking at this passage diagram from 3 through 14 diagrammed out. And you have this sheet with it all laid out. Now, I'm not going to go through all the explanation of it other than this. This is a way that you start. And understand this, for all of you like me that are horrible at English grammar, I mean, English grammar was like the curse in high school for me. And I so appreciate you who love it, but... It's just a struggle for me. So this does not take a grammarian's uh, expertise. What this is, is you just follow the thought. You start with a word. 
In essence here, let me just go through a couple lines. Blessed be is the very first two words of this passage. Well, then, blessed be what? Well, blessed be the God. Well, the God and what? Well, blessed be the God and Father. Those are the two things to be blessed. We're going to come back here in just a second. And the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of the Lord Jesus Christ fits under Father. And then we're going to see three things that the Father has done. I have not added words into the text. I have just moved the thoughts under each word so that you begin as you look down. You look at it and you go, that's what Paul was trying to communicate under the inspiration of God. I mean, at this one hairy, honking, long sentence, the kind of sentence that I would write because you put a comma or a colon or a dash or something when you breathe. That's how I do it. When you write, is that the way you do it? I know all of you who love English, I am just so irking you off right now. But you write along and you go, i got to breathe, comma. Okay, and then you keep going and you go, i got to breathe again, comma. Okay, anyway, Paul doesn't do that. But let's follow this through together, okay? So this is an unusual formatted sermon today. It's kind of like I normally spend about 25 hours a week preparing for the sermon on Sundays. This is part of what I do every week, with an, especially with an epistle kind of a passage, a teaching kind of a passage. So this is like we're in my office. I'm in the process of studying through. We've worked it out, and I'm going to be adding some stuff in because I want to help you see this. I will tell you, this thing for me, what we're talking about right here on this page for you, this was, I would say, one of the top three greatest tools that I gained in all my years of seminary and all my years of so far working on my doctorate this is the one that has helped me almost more than anything and you can do it okay so let's do it together here we go blessed be blessed be by the way do you see right now you know the whole thing's laid out do you see that's the farthest item to the left of your page that means everything else comes off of that statement Everything that we talk about comes back to this thing of blessed be. So when we leave today, in fact, our last song today is blessed be. Because everything that we're going to hit on here comes back to this point. Blessed be. So what's everything come back to? Okay, so blessed be. It's to speak well. It's to praise. It's a verbal. It's an external activity. It's not just a thinking thing. It's not just intended to be the kind of thing where I just go, man, blessed be. Wow, that's really cool. Wow, rock on, God. And then I just go on with life. This is an action. This is an outward thing. This is a blessed be. Oh, folks, blessed be. Hey, workers, blessed be. They're like, you're insane. That's okay. Blessed be. Blessed be what? Blessed be the God. By the way, it's a definite article. I do have some English grammar. It means that there's one God, the God, not a God. Blessed be the God and Father. Now, so we're talking about in the Trinity, there is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All three are equivalent. All make up one. I can't put that all together. I can't figure that all out, but one day it will all make complete sense. But that's the fact of the matter. God is a trinity together, all equal in nature, equal in essence, but unique in what they do. 
And the names of the Trinity fit with the things that they do. They call this the ontological uh, work of the Trinity. The Father has one aspect of things that he does. The Son has another aspect of things that he does. And the Spirit has another aspect of things that are done. That's why we call him the Father. And who's the Father of? He's the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now understand this. This is not talking about the fact that it's like Jesus Christ was his his birth daddy. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about pointing to the fact, whenever we hear again those terms, God the Father, that means God the Father has a unique role in the Trinity, but yet still equal of all together. He is the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that the blessed be is directed upon God the Father in the text. Well, what is it about God the Father that is to be blessed? And we say, blessed be. What are the things that we're to be blessed be about? There's three things. Let's take a look at these three. There are three things why we give blessed be the Father. Number one, because the Father has blessed us. Okay, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us? Who has enriched us? How has he enriched us? He's enriched us in in Christ. Now, this term in Christ in some form, shape, manner is like 10 or 12 times in this sentence. Now, that means when something's repeated over and over again, there's an emphasis there. All of this is in Christ. And God has blessed us in Christ. Well, regarding what? Oh, by the way. In Christ, you never hear people of other false religions say, I am in Buddha. I am in Muhammad. I am in Moses. Uh, We don't have time for it, but I want to tell you that's a big deal. The believer, according to the scriptures, is one that is in Christ and Christ alone, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Folks, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are blessed with a few of God's blessings. I'm waiting for someone to go, "Eh." thank you, that was pretty wimpy, but thank you. You The believer in Jesus Christ is blessed with every spiritual blessing. Do we live that way? Do we think that way? Do we view life that way? I want to tell you, in this passage, this is one of the things that has struck me most this week. At the time when I came to Christ at seven years old, I hadn't just heard the story, but I came to the place where I placed my faith in him and shifted my life wanting it to go this way to going this way with Jesus Christ. When that took place, I was blessed with every spiritual blessing. And sometimes I've got to tell you, I live like I, I think, like I don't have squat There is nothing that comes in your life 
that God has not equipped you to handle. Doug, I don't believe that. That's okay. God has. It doesn't matter if you believe it. God has. And here's the deal. Bank on it. Bank on it. God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, There is no trial that has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be trialed beyond what you can bear. What? That's right. He has given you every spiritual blessing. You know what needs to happen? First, we need to understand that. And second, we need to learn how to live that out. That's oftentimes the part for us is, okay, cool, I got it, rock on. But, like, what does that mean for me as I live life? That's the progressive sanctification. That's the discipling process. That's where we need to help each other come together and help each other to work to understand how to apply that. And too often we live like the witch of Wall Street. Hetty Green was born in 1835. Hetty's father and her aunt both died in 1865, leaving her an inheritance at the time of $10 million worth some $185 million today. Hetty immediately began investing in the financial market, scoring her first major success after the Civil War as she, was, she bought depreciated U.S. government bonds. Yet Hetty lived in a cheap boarding house in Manhattan and one in Brooklyn, taking public transportation to her Wall Street office, which was the, uh, the vault at the Chemical National Bank, literally. There she sat, clipping coupons from her municipal bonds and diligently poring over financial reports and forecasts. Known as the Witch of Wall Street, Hetty's disposition was so repugnant that she had no friends and people avoided her at every cost. Even Hetty's son was the recipient of her cheapness. When he injured his knee, Hetty refused to pay for a doctor and treated the injury herself. Two years later, when her son's knee still hadn't healed, Hetty dressed him in rags and pretended to be a charity case. When the doctor learned who she was and demanded payment, Hetty left the office in a rage. Several years later, the boy's leg had to be amputated. Hetty lived off cold oatmeal because she was too stingy to heat it and died of apoplexy in an argument over the virtues of skimmed milk. (laughs) There's a battle I don't want to fight. She left behind every penny of some $100 million, equivalent of $1.5 billion today. Hetty was reputedly the wealthiest woman in the U.S. at the time, but she lived like a papa. And friends, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Every blessing that God would have in heaven, you and I have been blessed with. Yeah! God! Okay, now, isn't it? But yet, how often do I check the bank vault? And here's the thing. We come in and go, yeah, this is so cool. I've got all of this, and then I live life, and I go, man, my life stinks. Life just goes along, and it's just like, bad, and it's just like, and it's just like, how you doing today? My life just bites. True? Isn't it true? Guilty. 
guilty right here, folks. And instead, how about this week? One application we could do this week is we come along, we go, how you doing? Blessed. How you doing? Blessed. You have no idea how I'm blessed. Right? The McDonald's window there. You have no, you think this hamburger's good? You wait till you see what, I've got Ruth's Christian spiritual heaven all over the place. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, in every spiritual blessing. Man, but I don't live that way so often. God the Father has blessed us. And secondly, He has what? Chosen us. Chosen, to elected. It means to choose out from among a group. How did he cho- choose? He chose us in Christ, in him. He chose us when? Before the foundation of the world. The choosing was done in eternity past. Therefore, okay, all, some of you are already this free will predestination debate. Those of you who know what I'm talking about are already thinking through this. But listen, if you follow that thinking, if you follow what the scripture says, therefore his choice preceded my choice of him. Because he was in eternity past and I wasn't. His choice of me preceded my choice of him. I couldn't have chosen him if he had not chosen me. John Chadwick said, I sought the Lord and afterwards I knew he moved my soul to seek him. I sought the Lord, and afterwards I knew he moved my soul to seek him. Now, already a number of you are going, yeah, but, 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 but. Here's some possible responses to the idea of God's choosing, to the idea of God's elect. By the way, of anybody who has the concept that God chooses people, it's Paul. Paul was not even looking for Christ. And God, of anybody else, Christ chooses him, of anybody to write about this concept. And some of you in this room who have come to Christ in very significant life moment times understand in an increased way what Paul is talking about here. Doug, you have no idea what my life was like. I wasn't even looking for God, and God showed up and grabbed me. But there's a response of, well, so if that's the case, this choosing election thing, so it's all blind chance. So humans have no freedom. God, therefore, chooses to send people to hell. By the way, the scriptures never talk about that. But I understand the reason. If God chooses people to know him, then God, therefore, uh, I have a hard time reasoning that. Christ's atoning death is, therefore, limited, Doug, if you're saying that. Election discourages evangelism, Doug. God is unfairly partial, Doug. Here's my response. When we come across passages where the scripture says that God has chosen, that God has elected, that's what we're going to teach. And then when we come to those passages that teach as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised the friend, then you will be saved. When we come to those free will passages, guess what we're preaching on then? Free will. Well, Doug, the free will debate thing. Uh, predestination. The answer is it's both, as I mentioned last week. Why? Because the scriptures talk about both. 
And I am not going to be one who sits back and just says, because I can't reason the two together, I've got to throw one out. Listen, when you and I stand before God the Father and we say, God, you know, we'll do it all together too. Because I don't want to be there by myself. When we do it and ask this question, and we say, hey, God, what's this whole predestination, free will, you know, you choosing election thing? Because isn't that kind of make me a robot like God? I so don't get that. Here's how we're going to leave the room. Oh, now I got it. Oh, okay. Man, was I a moron. Okay. God, I guess you are God. I guess you do know. Because when I came in, I was wondering if you're really God. I just want to tell you, that's what's going to take place on this debate. Because the scriptures talk about both. I can't reason it. I can't reason it. I can't reason the Trinity. But it's there. So we believe it, right? Let's get rolling. You saw me. I looked at my watch. Eve, so God has blessed us. God the Father has blessed us. He has chosen us. And he's chosen us to do what? That we should be holy. By the way, uh, holy and blameless. Holy is set apart. Blameless is this concept of without blemish. Now, there's two ways to look at this. God chose us to be that now. I think this is talking about God chose us so that one day we would be holy and blameless as we stand. Because at the end of that statement, it says uh, that, we should be, that we should be holy and blameless before him. I don't think that the, this specific passage is referring to the here and now. I think this passage is referring to the future time when we stand before God. We are going to stand before him. And because of Christ, we're going to be holy. We're going to be set apart. We're going to be blameless all because of Christ. Hey, listen, the Father is to be blessed because he has blessed us and because he has chosen us. Those who know Jesus Christ as your Savior, what's your response to that? Hey, those of you who know Jesus Christ as your Savior, what is your response to that? Okay, like, one more time, the blessed be. Hey, people who know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm serious about this. What's your response? Blessed be God the Father. Blessed be. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 5. In love he predestined us. Oh, here we go again. In love he predestined us. Uh, predestined to set a boundary beforehand. And notice, it's in love. This is the action of a personal loving God. Because God predetermined our destiny, God chose us in him out of the mass of humanity. But Doug, I don't... God will take care of it. Really. God can be trusted. The believer is predestined to a destiny noted as a few things here. In love, he predestined us for adoption. By the way, it's so wonderful. It's not just to be a buddy. It's not just to be a pal. It's not to be one of his clones. It's not to be one who's just hanging there. It's to be his child. A child of God. Hey, listen, when we get to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, this one is just going to go bam right out because of who we were and who we can be and are for the one who knows Christ. For we are his children, and all of that is through Jesus Christ. And it's according to the purpose of his will. Well, why, why did he predestine us? Because he wanted to. Because he wanted to. And he's God. When I was a business owner, we used to sometimes have some employees come in and talk to me and say, why do you do things this way? And here was my answer. 
Because my brother and I, our name's on the building. Do you have any other questions? Yeah, but I don't. Hey, the name's on the building. And by the way, when the medical lawsuit comes at us for our products, who are they going to go after? You? Uh, me? And my brother? And I just, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not God the Father. He's God the Father. And he can do what he wants. He has predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. To the praise and to the pleasure of his glorious grace. He enjoys imparting his riches. And he did it because he wanted to. His predestining, his choosing exalts his grace. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he blessed us. He graced us. Love that idea. What has God done for you lately? Graced me. Hey, listen. God does not punk us. You know the TV show? They kind of set people up and the camera's there. You know, I love watching those things. Like the guy in the funniest videos when the guy's laying on the... This is my wife knows this one. I just I have a sick humor. The guy's laying there asleep on the couch and they come over the pans. Bam, 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 bam. And he's just like having intestinal problems. He's just coming from that. And it just scares him to death. I am like laughing on the floor from that. But I want to encourage you. God does not do that. God does not play with us. Watch this. Watch this. I'm going to take Nick. I'm setting him up. And I'm going to punk him. God doesn't do that. And yet sometimes, don't you? Let's be honest. Sometimes don't you feel that way? That's when we come back and we have to understand life from a biblical perspective. God is growing us, using us, and maturing us, and he is bringing all things to his pleasure. We've got to keep moving. To the praise of his glorious grace with with which he graced us. Mm. Believer, praise God for picking you to be in his family. He's blessed you, chosen you, and predestined you. And you didn't deserve a lick of it. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. By the way, what's a great way to respond to that? By the way, what's a great way to respond to that? Thank you. The Father planned our salvation and the Son has purchased my salvation. Look at this. And notice at the end of verse 6, it moves to in the beloved. The beloved is referring to Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, named as the Son. The Son purchased my salvation. In Him, in the Beloved, we have redemption. We have. It's a present, continuous action verb. In other words, there was a time when I came to Christ, and I was redeemed then, and that redeeming is redeeming and redeeming and redeeming and redeeming and redeeming. It doesn't mean this. I was redeemed, lost it. I got it, I lost it. It's talking about present continuous. It's happened and it continues on. And if you are Jesus Christ, you are redeemed. You have been pulled out of to to set a slave free by the payment of a ransom. Listen, 60% of the people in the Roman Empire living at the time that this was written, 60% were slaves. No freedom, no travel, no money, sold as dogs. 
all of that kind of stuff. And yet here in this word, it refers back to the reality of someone being redeemed, bought out of that position and placed free for a purpose. And you just go, blessed be. In Christ, we have redemption. We have been redeemed from the penalty of sin and we are being redeemed from the power of sin. We have been redeemed through his blood, through the death of Christ. We have been redeemed through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses is a result of redeeming. Listen, the problem is all our sinners and fall short of the glory of God. The blessing is Jesus paid the price to take care of the problem. And it's all according to the riches of his grace. Our sin can never be greater than God's forgiveness. I just want to let you know, if you are here today and you're like, Doug, you have no idea what's been going on in my life. Doug, you have no idea the depth of the depravity of the kinds of things I've been doing in my life. Doug, you have no idea if anyone here or you had any inclination, if I opened up the reality of what my life is all about and all the muck and the mire and the junk and the stuff and the thoughts and the actions, you would not believe it. Listen, God's grace is way bigger than that. And you have hope. Because of his incredible, incredible grace. According to the riches of his grace. Look at this. Which he did what? Lavished. I love that word. Lavished. It's to cause to overflow. You know, when they just had the, the storm down at New Orleans, if you watch some of the pictures down there, and they show the, the, the wall, and some of the water is just going, dink, dink. You know, fortunately, it wasn't as big of a storm as they thought, but it's just kind of going over. That's not what this word is talking about. This word is talking about a river where the water just all over the banks. It's lavished. And God's grace has been lavished upon us, Paul says. It's a super abundance of God's generosity. And it's lavished. He's lavished upon us all wisdom and insight. Now, there's a question, a debate. Is that referring to God's wisdom and insight or ours? I think this is referring, in essence, with the following uh, he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, that part of God's lavishing here is the fact that you and I had the ability to come to know him as our Savior. And the ability to be able to come to understand, because all those who are without Christ, to all of this, this is foolishness, folks. Do you realize how many people think we are fools for being here? Because they look at all this and they go, you guys are such con people. You're just sucked into something and you're just so naive. And it's God's lavishing on us that goes, not, (laughs) right? He's made known to us the mystery of his will. We'll be talking about that more in Ephesians. According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. Hey, God is bringing all things together so that at one point in time, all things are going to come together for him. And man, bring it on, right? I mean, everything's coming together. Listen, as you go through life and sometimes it's like, like, does anyone have control over this whole earth? Uh, Answer? Yes, absolutely. And it's all going somewhere. God is not figuring out as we go along. Verse 11, not only through Christ do we have redemption, but we have obtained an inheritance. Now, there's two viable interpretations here of this. Are we Christ's inheritance, or do believers have a believers obtained an inheritance? I think it's the latter. 
that believers have obtained an inheritance because I think it fits better with the flow of the context. Christ did the redeeming work that we have received. Likewise, we have obtained an inheritance that Christ has provided us. Have, he says uh, here, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise in his glory. Listen, we are his inheritance, and we have an inheritance. Believer, praise Jesus for purchasing you. He redeemed you, and he's given you an eternal inheritance. So good. And lastly, the Son and the Spirit are kind of working together. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth. By the way, it's not a word of philosophy. It's not a word of ideas. It's a word of truth. According, I'm sorry, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, the good news of your salvation. When you heard the word of truth and believed in him. Listen, hearing doesn't save. Understanding doesn't save a person from their sin. A life response saves a person from a sin. Let me give you an illustration. You get a, pat, you get a note in your mailbox that you have a package at the post office. It's yours. You bought it on eBay. <laughs> Whatever. You, it's your package. It's at the post office. It has your name on it. All you have to do is go pick it up because your mailbox wasn't big enough to put it in, and you don't go. You know there's a package there that's yours. That's my package. And don't you take it away. And you know that you have that there, but you don't go get it. It's of no benefit. Flying. I believe in flying. I've seen people fly. I understand the principles of flying. I've seen people get on airplanes, and I've seen them go, and I've even seen them come back. I've seen flying. But there's a difference between understanding flying, believing in flying, and getting on the plane and being a passenger or a pilot. This is what Christ is talking about here. This is what Paul is writing to us here. The fact is, as a matter, it's not just about hearing, oh, God, believe in God. Yeah, there's a God. There's definitely a God. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, he was a good guy. Yeah, in fact, I think even Jesus was of God. Okay, that's about it. Let's go live life. Listen, that is not what it's talking about here about hearing and believing. Instead, it's talking about hearing and going, oh, my word, that changes everything. I was going this way. I now go this way. God, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior and start living this way. That's what he's talking about here. And by the way, all the work of that was the work of the, through the Son is the work of the Spirit of God in your life. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now, this, this sealing implies three things. It implies ownership. In Bible times, they ha- would have those signet rings, where they'd have a ring there, and if you mailed a, an envelope or something, you put wax or a little bit of mud on there, and you'd stick your ring, and that would say, that's mine. It'd be like, like uh, branding a cow. It would be like wearing a tattoo, saying, I'm his. In fact, in those days, the cults would actually tattoo themselves with the name of what it was in the time that Paul's writing. 
but it implies ownership. Sealing implies security. The Roman seal on Jesus' tomb, it was saying, don't mess with this. They put guards around it. They sealed it. They stamped it. They marked it. It was owned by Rome. Sealed also means authenticity. It is really the real deal thing. And if you have come to Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want for you to know when at the time when that happened, God just with a gigantic stamp just went kabonk and just and gave and sealed you with the Spirit. You are marked in a good way. You are marked, you are owned, you are sealed, you are secured. You are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee, the down payment for our future inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. One sentence. One sentence. God the Father has done what? What's the first thing? Blessed us. What's the second? Chose us. What's the third? Predestined us. Jesus Christ has done what? Redeemed you and? Okay. <laughs> I'm not reading tongues here right at the moment. What's the second one? Given us an inheritance. And through Christ, the Spirit has what? Blessed be! Listen, when we get to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it is just going to make this like just so rock out, so awesome, so marvelous in this. It is going to be like, Doug, you have no idea what God has done for me. I was a sinner separated from him without hope, no purpose, no hope. I was in it. I was a sinner by nature. I was a sinner by choice. I was a sinner by practice. And yet God gave me, God took me, and he saved me, and he gave me all this stuff. Blessed be. Blessed be. Blessed be. Are you living as one who is blessed be? Seriously. Is it all up here? Or are you translating life through the eyes of all of that? We need to. This week, your blessed Father, your blessed Son, your blessed Spirit wants to do blessings in your life. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for what you have done. Oh, my word. All this stuff we just read in this one sentence that Paul tells about, we don't deserve any of it. We haven't earned it. We can't claim it because of who we are. (laughs) It's just your gracious, glorious grace. And yet, Lord, it's one thing to know all of this. It's one thing to leave here and go, blessed be you. It's another thing to transfer that into life this week when we go to school and we have a teacher that pushes our buttons or a friend who responds sinfully against us. Or we have a child who just continues to push against our authority and are working with them as a parent. Or a spouse who just continues to be angry or obnoxious or just having a hard time or just doesn't care. Or at work when we just have people who are just pushing and shoving 
And God, we just look sometimes at life right now and just go, it's hard to say blessed be. But these are the times we need to train our thinking to think biblically. And God, blessed be your name. In death, in life, in exciting times, and in trials, a blessed be your name. Right? Blessed be your name. Amen.